Why do we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to The Universe Next Door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. The Universe Next Door is supported by the C.S. Lewis Society, Trinity College of Florida, and supported by gifts from listeners just like you. Discover more resources and continue the conversation at apologetics.org. And now, your host, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. Welcome to The Universe Next Door, and thank you for listening. We are very excited to introduce our guest today, uh, one of the most exciting guests we've ever had, in my opinion. He is the professor of mathematics at Oxford University. He has written a number of books, uh, including God's Undertaker, Has Science Buried God?, and The Grand Design. He has debated some of the most prominent atheists uh, of our lifetime, including Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens, multiple times. Check those out. Uh, And he has meant a great deal to me personally, as he is one of the people who introduced me to apologetics. Uh, You can find him at johnlennox.org. Dr. John Lennox, how are you doing today? Very well, and thank you very much. How encouraging an introduction. It's lovely to be with you. Well, if I can do my parallel greeting, uh, Tom Woodward here, and it's been my privilege for the last 33 years to as it were, pick up the baton from the Princeton undergraduate students who started the C.S. Lewis Society. And I think it's just a kind of a very appropriate and, and right on the target uh, focus of the, of the film that Dr. John Lennox has worked on and now completed with Kevin Sorbo. We just had Kevin Sorbo with us uh, as well. And the, the film Against the Tide is talking about the tide that, that seems to be drifting many people toward a materialistic or atheist or at least agnostic view. Dr. John Lennox, professor, uh, now emeritus, but uh, for, for many, many uh, years of a professor at, at uh, Oxford University in the area of mathematics and philosophy of science has shown that that's not an accurate way of viewing it. So it's a, an incredible uh, privilege for me to welcome back uh, to the Tampa Bay area, at least virtually and to the United States and beyond. Dr. John Lennox, you look wonderful. I hope you're doing well. Greetings from the C.S. Lewis Society. Well, thank you very much. I can remember being with you on a famous occasion at your C.S. Lewis Society. So I was really pleased when I saw the name Tom Woodward coming up on the invitation list. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, that was, I believe it was uh, November of 2008, and you spoke uh, in many places, including uh, Eckerd College here locally. Uh, we, we had you at our annual banquet. That was a magnificent evening. It was packed out, and I will not uh, uh, describe how long the standing ovation went after you spoke. But uh, no, don't. We, are, we, are, we are basically in a, in a permanent state of thankfulness uh, that God has allowed you this opportunity to minister, not just uh, to us, but you know, in the movie, you're ministering to a huge audience. Tell us about how you heard about an interest in a movie that conveys something of your story and even C.S. Lewis's story, uh, a little bit of the background that, that really intrigued you and then said, yeah, I will go with this. The basic idea came from Steve Huff, who is a physicist by background and who is the director of the Pensmore Foundation that is behind the film. And 
I got to know Steve because he read one of my books. I think the one that you mentioned, the introduction, God's Undertaker Has Science Buried God, which incidentally is being completely replaced in the summer by a, a very new book and much more up-to-date called Cosmic Chemistry, Do Science and God Mix? But anyway, Steve read this book and it resonated with him and he was visiting Oxford and he made it his business to meet with me for coffee and we became friends. And over the years, he invited me to speak at several conferences in Westminster Theological Seminary and elsewhere because he was very concerned by the oncoming tide of naturalism in academia and elsewhere. And I was in his home and somebody put God's Not Dead on. I hadn't seen it before, this film. And to my utter amazement, Kevin Sorbo, who acts brilliantly, I think, an atheist professor in that film, was confronted by a Christian student who used my arguments explicitly. And I knew nothing of this. It was entirely new to me. And in the end, it was, I'm pretty sure it was Steve said, I wonder, do you think we could get Kevin to be involved in a film off the back of this in the sense that back in private life, he wonders who this Oxford mathematics professor is who takes on the like of Richard Dawkins when he doesn't need to. He must have a comfortable enough life anyway. And that was the genesis of it. And so it was filmed partly in the States and then Caris Productions in Scotland came and they eventually wrote the script, the final script. And it's partly filmed in Oxford and partly filmed in Israel. And it deals with two major issues. First of all, God and science. And then it moves on to the question of the evidence behind the truth of Christianity itself. So it's been quite an experience. I, I can imagine. I mean, I, I was able to watch the first part of the movie. And as I absorbed the opening 20 minutes, it's like a gigantic hook. I mean, I have never in my life been so completely, thoroughly and overwhelmingly hooked by one opening of a movie. But uh, for you to relive the, the opportunity that you had to hear C.S. Lewis in person as your lecturer <laughs> at Cambridge, and to act out when he comes in and takes the, 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 you know, the winter gear off and finally stumps up to the lecture podium and then puts his, his winter you know, uh, clothing back on as he leaves. That was one of the many shimmering moments. And I'm glad well, you enjoyed that. I think a lot of people will enjoy that. It's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a priceless moment. I mean, I would see the movie just for that three minutes where you describe yes. spring C.S. Lewis <laughs> lecture. But, but you captured the genre, the, the big idea of moving into this consideration of Christianity as objectively, let us check it out according to math, science, logic, and historical evidence as objectively sure. true. So um, I know Nick probably has a, a whole little long list of questions, which uh, we have about 18 minutes left. But Nick, do you have a question that you wanted to ask Dr. Lennox? Uh, related to the film Against the Tide. Again, we're so privileged to have him with us uh, in this time of the universe next door. Yes, absolutely. And um, 
I, I'm very much looking forward to it. But I, we'll, we'll probably see some of these in the movie, I'm sure. But what do you think is your favorite argument in defense of Christianity and why? Oh, it depends entirely to whom I'm talking mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and how much they know. If it's a defense of Christianity as distinct from defense of God, I think I go to the central claim on which the whole Christian faith hangs, and that is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, because you can get at that both historically and experientially. And that's where I tend to go first. But your question is a generic question, and there are as many answers to it as there are people. It depends entirely whom I'm talking to, because think about it. People often come to me and say, well, there's no evidence that Jesus actually existed, so I'm not prepared to consider him. So you can't start with the resurrection there. You have to start with the ancient historians and point out that there's scarcely one in the entire world that would agree with this person. So that Mm -hmm. their objection stems not from knowledge, but from sheer ignorance and uh, sometimes, sadly, a refusal to, to find out. But those are the kind of things that I get involved in talking about, and they appear in the film. So in, in, in just engaging with physics, um, the fine-tuning issue seems to be one that, that is, is um, forcing a radical um, alternative from the atheist mouth. Whenever I bring up fine-tuning, it seems like that they want to hop into imaginary universe, which is just a populated with zillions, perhaps an infinite number of parallel universes, just to avoid the fine tuning. But isn't that really, it isn't number one, fine tuning, a really powerful argument. Number two, isn't the multiverse hypothesis really almost turning against evidence? Would you comment on that? Well, the fine tuning argument is powerful. I have an atheist colleague in Oxford who's a brilliant professor of philosophy and he invited me to speak to his students and he said I hope you're going to use your best argument for God I said you tell me what it is and I'll use it he said fine-tuning if I were ever to become a believer he said it would be fine-tuning because I think there's something there Mm -hmm. the point about the fine-tuning of the fundamental constants of nature in physics and cosmology is virtually everybody except a few extremists are agreed that fine-tuning is a fact. That's where you start. This is standard accepted physics. It's not something on the fringe that is the province of uh, some crackpots. This is acceptable physics. It's standard physics. And as Stephen Hawking once said, it demands an explanation. And our astronomer royal, Lord Race, Martin Race, uh, he said, really, when you think about the universe and this fine tuning, the only two really possible explanations are that there is a God or there is a multiverse. And then he makes the rather unusual statement. He says some people prefer the view that there is a God, but I myself prefer the multiverse. Now, prefer is not a very scientific position. (laughs) But the point is, I think, that A, he admits the fine-tuning is real. Secondly, 
he admits that the, the God solution actually works. And thirdly, his own preference is a theory that is neither proven, and it's worse than that. The multiverse consists of an infinite number of universes, whatever that means, and they're all inaccessible to us. And as my colleague Richard Swinburne, who's a famous philosopher at Oxford, said, uh, if you pitch a single god against uh, that we can test against a multiverse where we've no accessibility, then God wins hands down. Mm. And physicists are very much in dispute and disagreement about the multiverse. This is not something that is believed in by all physicists. And I was taught quantum physics by Professor Sir John Polkinghorne, mm. and he doesn't have much time for the multiverse theory because he feels that from the principle of economy of hypotheses, the single universe with a unique creator uh, wins hands down mm. uh, as, a, as an explanation, as a physical view that has very strong explanatory power. So I'm not really impressed with the multiverse. Mm. And not only that, even if you grant a multiverse, it doesn't prove that God doesn't exist. God can create as many universes as he wishes, as many a philosopher, atheists included, has pointed out. So it's not a defeater for faith in God at all. And I think even William Lane Craig has said that you cannot avoid fine-tuning with the multiverse because the producer, the mechanism that spits out one after another these multiple universes itself would have to be fine-tuned. Oh, yes. It, it builds right. It pushes it back just one level. Mm -hmm. And uh, the universe generating machine has got to be fine-tuned as well. It, it doesn't really get anywhere. and it, yeah. it's not I, I think it was summarized well when Hugh Ross said, the only way you can have a multiverse is if God exists. But ironically, you know, if, if, if God exists and decides he wants to have other parallel universes, you're not really, you know, supporting your no God argument. If that's Oh, that, that's correct. And th there's a number of people, scientists, even some of Hawking's uh, co-workers who do believe in the multiverse and do believe in God as well. Hmm. Well, Don Page is one of those, the Canadian uh, cosmologist. Okay, fantastic. Well, today with us on the Universe Next Door, we're so privileged to have Professor John Lennox. And I will tell you from my experience that uh, it's such, such a, a great, uh, warm, uh, just affirmation of how far apologetics has gone today is that they would actually at Oxford University award the full professorship to Professor Lennox uh, when it was known that he was an advocate of what C.S. Lewis called mere Christianity. And so I just thank you, uh, Dr. Lennox, for all you've done on behalf of uh, people in even behind the Iron Curtain. And I want to just say, to see you, you speaking, and I'll just say it was a few decades ago, but speaking to students, I think it was in Russia, uh, shown there on the film, that must have been quite a hoot to, to present the, the, the good mathematics and, and physics that you do, but also uh, maybe outside that venue to present the plausibility of a real 
uh, theistic worldview. I've, oh, yes. In those early days in Russia, they were all interested. They wanted to know why I believed in God. And the idea hmm. of evidence-based convictions of the existence of God were entirely new to them. Hmm. I remember those days very well. I'm glad we put a little bit in the film. That's great. Well, again, the film is Against the Tide, and uh, we are pr promoting it to the max. It is one of the great Christian films I have ever seen. I rank it up there with any other uh, apologetics-oriented film as really arguably uh, the finest, most cutting-edge uh, apologetics um, production I've ever seen. Against the Tide, it is spectacular. And uh, Nick, why don't you ask maybe another question? Do you have a whole cluster of questions? Yeah. Well, in, in addition to this Against the Tide movie, um, I know you've also just this year published the uh, 2084 book, uh, which is, uh, of course, heavily based on artificial intelligence. And can you tell us a little bit about the purpose and intent of that and what our, our audience can maybe look forward to getting out of that? Yeah, well, the title is 2084, Artificial Intelligence and the Future of Humanity. And I wrote that to really try to explain to people exactly what artificial intelligence is and the positives and the negatives. And one of the main thrusts in it is to split it into two parts. First, narrow AI, which is the stuff that works, that enables us to investigate and discover new vaccines and make good medical diagnoses. That's narrow AI. But then there's artificial general intelligence, which is the quest for super intelligence, either by enhancing existing humans or building from scratch some kind of super intelligence on a silicon base or something like this. And the second stuff, of course, is the subject of a lot of science fiction, but it's also of great interest to many serious people like Elon Musk, the late Stephen Hawking, Max Tegmark, and a whole array of people. And I interact principally with the book Homo Deus by Yuval Noah Harari, who's an atheist Israeli historian. And he is advancing the transhumanist position, which is that humans, as we know them, are simply a stage in evolution from animals towards what he calls Homo Deus, the man who is God. And we can now take in hand our own future development and turn ourselves into gods. And I want to challenge that because this impinges on what a, and who a human being is. And I want to bring people to the biblical view that human beings' dignity depends crucially on them being made in the image of God. And that raises huge questions that C.S. Lewis raised in his book, The Abolition of Man, and in the other book, That Hideous Strength, as to what moral right we have to start altering human beings according to our specification, and thereby not producing humans, but a race of artifacts and it's in that context that he made his very famous statement, the final triumph of science will be the abolition of man. Mm. And so my book is geared to enabling people to see what worldview is, lies behind the drive for artificial general intelligence, as well as grating the positive side, particularly in medical research of 
narrow AI. Can you Great. can you introduce to us maybe some of your current projects that you're working on? I mean, I don't know if those are a top secret or if you can just uh, maybe give us a sense of one one area. I've heard that uh, other writings uh, are you know planned for the next year. Well, it's not so much what is planned, it's what's recently come out. I wrote a little book called Can Science Explain Everything, which has turned out to be much more accessible than the earlier book, Mm -hmm. um, God's Undertaker. Mm -hmm. And that is really a defense of the rationality of faith in God vis-a-vis science and of historical Christianity. It's quite a short book. Mm. Then I wrote as well last year a book called Have No Fear to encourage people to break through the fear barrier and to take their public stand in witnessing for their faith in Christ. Mm. And then thirdly, because of the COVID at the beginning of lockdown, I wrote a book called Where is God in the Coronavirus World? And that's now in 28 languages around the world. Wow. There's been a huge response to that book. And I've done over 100 Zoom interviews about it in many, many countries. But at the moment, I'm writing a guidebook for the film. Because in a film, you can only go into a certain amount of detail. And because I'm a mathematician, I'm used to having time in a lecture to develop a point I thought it would help viewers because when they watch the film, they'd say, but what about this and what about that? So I've nearly finished a book called Against the Tide that will be complement the film. And sometime, I don't know when, I hope an autobiography will appear as well. So there are various projects going on, but I've been very busy this year. It's been extremely productive. (laughs) Well, I, I think a lot of people have had a difficult time staying motivated through the quarantine and everything going on. So I think it's been a huge blessing to us. Uh, I, I think I speak for everybody who, who, who's listening, especially for I and Dr. Woodward, but just a huge blessing what you've been working on with the books and the movies and the writings. And um, I have kind of a, a personal question that I, I really like to ask people who have influenced me. Um, but who have been some of the, the theologians, regardless of who it is, who have been a big influence on your life, either early on or even now? Well, I've had many influences because, of course, I read very widely. But the two, I think, most important are, first of all, my parents, who encouraged me to think, even though they were convinced Christians, especially because of that, actually. They gave me space to think. Secondly, my father introduced me to C.S. Lewis. And thirdly, he introduced me to Professor David Gooding, who became a lifelong mentor and friend. He died last year at the age of 93 or four, but he was a huge influence on me in teaching me how to think about scripture. He was a classicist, actually, a professor of of Latin and Greek. And he understood the way in which ancient literature worked. And his books have been an enormous help, not only to me, but to many other people. And through life, of course, I've read books by all kinds of people. But if I'm asked to single out major influencers, those are they. If I can just mention, uh, my first introduction to Dr. Lennox uh, was with him standing 
there in the back of the auditorium at Biola University, uh, accompanied by David Gooding, Professor Gooding, as we were experiencing the launch of intelligent design movement in, it was 1996. You remember that, I think. I do indeed. I remember going to that conference. The reason was that David and I heard about it and we thought we'd go. And it was one of the only conferences that either of us ever attended where we weren't speaking. It was a wonderful experience. It's a breakthrough moment. And your own Against the Tide, uh, appearing there with actor Kevin Sorbo, telling the story of the evidence that's exploding around us for God and then for Christianity. And then, of course, coming alongside uh, here in our broadcast. And also, uh, we know that you'll be with us in the spring doing that uh, amazing seminar, uh, Don Lennox seminar as part of our series by Zoom, of course. Thank you for doing that. And just, we greet you. Uh, give a hug to your wife, if you could. And uh, the C.S. Lewis Society embraces and congratulates you on a job brilliantly done against the tide. Thank you, Dr. Thank you so much for having me on and God bless you all.